Here we go. What's up, Rhythm Church? Welcome to Church Online. We're so glad that you joined us today. My name is Jeff. I'm the lead pastor here at Rhythm Church, and we're sharing a mic today. I'm Erin. I am the lead pastor's lady friend. <laughs> Most normal people would probably call me his wife. My lady friend. Uh, I'm not normal. But I am glad that you are joining us for church today. We missed you. Yes, we did. We missed you last week. Uh, we were busy doing this, that, and the other thing. It was our daughter's 16th birthday, so I was out celebrating with her, and Jeff actually had the opportunity to teach at one of our supporting churches. That was amazing. Awesome. So we missed you. We're glad to be back. We just want to say that there's no other way we would like to spend this day than with you. Exactly. And for one, welcome to November, November 1st. And it's so crazy. Um, and we're excited for what we have coming up this month. We've got um, actually on the 15th, November 15th, we have child dedications. Um, so if you have a child and you are comfortable enough to come back uh, into a, a live service um, with a live gathering with people, you can come and you can wear a mask and you can social distance. And they, um, I've heard the term no touch services. So you can come, you don't have to touch anybody. You can stay away and whatnot. But if you have a child that you'd like to dedicate to the Lord, and really that's just an, a, a very rich tradition within the church. You saying, I'm going to like set apart my kid for the purposes of the Lord and do what we can to raise them for, uh, for the Lord. And we're going to partner with a community with the local church to do so. So if you're interested in doing that, uh, November 15th, you can find signups eventually. Pretty soon we'll be here on our website for that as well. November is going to be a great month. Mm -hmm. Anything else to add, baby? Yeah. We just want to say uh, keep in connection with us. Yeah. We say it every week, but we mean it. We want you to stay connected to us until you're ready to come back and be connected with us in person. Visit our website at myrhythmchurch.com. Fill out communication cards. We have them online digitally. Let us know how we can be praying for you, and let us know what God's doing in your life. We serve and live with and love and are loved by a powerful God, and we know he's working in your life, and we would love to hear what he's doing. If just real quick example, and then you're, you got to probably bounce, huh? Yeah. But anyways, um, real quick example. Hey, John and Megan, we're praying with you, and we're praying for you. And I know this season is a little uncertain, but God's going to do some powerful things. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. We love you, Rhythm Church. Love you. I love you. I love you. Let's do that one more time. Okay. <laughs> some more? No. No. Okay. See you next week. All right. All right, church, turn with me, please, to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number five. We're going to read verses one through 20. And actually more, we're going to kind of skip through one through 20 so that we keep our time together concise and good. Um, uh, we're in our family collection of talks right now where we're talking about what it means to be the church as a family all the, way what, all the way down to what it means to be actually family, husband, wife, kids, and so on and so forth. And so um, I'm excited about today's message. It actually took kind of a twist and a turn on me as I was studying it, a little bit different than what I thought. Actually just finished it up this morning, this morning. So it's fresh off the press 
<laughs> or whatever, whatever that means. I got my coffee today. I'm a little bit tired, a little bit slow. So all right, Ephesians chapter number five. I also have my phone with me so that I can keep track of time and make sure that we get out quickly. Yeah, okay, here we go. Ephesians chapter five, verse one, and it says this. Follow God's example. Now, uh, it, in other translations, it says imitate God as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, now watch, there's this flip, there's a switch here. Now, but among you, there must not be any hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or of course joking, which are out of place. But rather, he says, but rather thanksgiving. For this... There can be, for this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, jumping down to verse 8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. It goes on in verse 10, it says, And find out, just find out what pleases the Lord. And have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. He tells them eventually, wake up, like, come on, people, wake up and start living for the Lord. This is verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, he says, instead of getting drunk on wine, be filled with the Spirit. Sing and make, sorry, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, today in our family collection of talks, I'm going to speak very briefly on this idea of uh, the Father's way, Dad's way, God's way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We just ask now that as we've opened your word, you'd open our hearts, you'd open our minds. God, convict us, encourage us, inspire us, and continue to shape us more and more into your likeness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay, church. So, um, I don't know if you remember when you were little, oftentimes you looked at your parents and you wanted to be like them. You wanted to act like them. You wanted to do things. Like my dad was a musician. He had a guitar. So I, of course, whenever we'd go to the toy store, would always go to the, the fake plastic toy guitars that they had. And I'd always want one of those. And I'd grab one. As a matter of fact, I remember this, again, child of the 80s, I had one that had um, the band Kiss and it had like the, the Kiss graphic on the guitar. Whatever. But, um, you just want to be like, you want to be like your parents. And, and same thing with my kids. My kids were little. They wanted to, you know, they would act like us, you know, Aaron and I, they wanted to be like us. Israel, anytime I was doing something, like he wanted to do it with me. If I had my shirt off, he'd take his shirt off. You know, he, he wanted to be like dad, the girls, you know, like it was just, you would see that the kids were imitating. They were trying to be like their, their parents. Now, kind of a cool story. I don't know if it's necessarily imitation, but again, just lets you into my life. Recently, again, I had one daughter turn 18, and like Aaron just said, we had the other daughter just turn 16. Now, for, for um, uh, Isla's 16th birthday, she wanted to get her nose pierced. Now, Aaron has her nose pierced. Now, I'm not saying that Isla was trying to imitate mom, but I, just, I do think it's kind of sweet that she wanted her nose pierced and got it pierced in the same side that Aaron has her pierced on. And like, she's just, Isla's such a beautiful girl, and so we're like, of course, you can 
pierce your face. Why not? <laughs> like Aaron pierced her face, you can pierce your face. And so there's actually a picture that I have, I think I put it on my story, I don't know if it's on like my Instagram page, but of Aaron and Isla, both with their, their nose rings in, and they look almost identical. It's crazy, unreal, both unbelievably gorgeous women. And then my other daughter just turned 18. Now what did she want to do for her 18th birthday? She wanted to go to get a, a tattoo. Now she hasn't gotten the tattoo yet. She's gonna get the tattoo at the end of this month, but she wanted a tattoo. Aaron has a tattoo, and the first thing that Aaron did when Aaron turned 18 is went out and got a tattoo. <laughs> and so, I am again not saying that India's trying to imitate her mother, but it is kind of interesting that you do see like, like, you know, mom has this, and so maybe I, I can have this as well too. My daughter's probably watching this going, dad, we're not getting a tattoo, nor did we get our, my nose pierced because mom had it. But for the sake of this illustration, that's the reason why. Because what, what, what Paul is writing here to the, to the church in Ephesus is he's saying, look, we, we're God's children, so we're to imitate we're to imitate him. We're, we're to do as he does. We're to do as he did. And so if you are taking notes, I want you to write this down. Just write down, imitate God. Imitate God. Children are natural imitators. And even more so when they are dearly loved. And not only are we supposed to imitate, but we're supposed to imitate, not only are we supposed to imitate to live like God, but we're to love like God as well too. He says, follow his example and do just as Christ did as he loved others and gave himself up for them. So we're to love. And as we imitate him, we're not imitating each other. We're imitating him. Now let, let me just flesh, flesh this out. Flesh this, flesh this, flesh this. Flesh, flesh. We're going to work this out a little bit. <laughs> um, it's, okay to, it's okay to imitate each other as long as we're imitating Christ. So we're imitating the godly characteristics in one another. But what we don't want to fall into is is imitating each other or comparing ourselves to one another. As long as we're looking to somebody else for our faith, we're not looking to God for our faith. Meaning, if I'm trying to be like this other person over here, I'm either I'm now comparing or I'm competing with their life. I'm, look, I'm comparing my Christianity to their Christianity. Well, I'm more holy because I worship more, I pray more, I read the Bible more, I treat others better, or, or maybe I'm not as holy as this other person over here because I see them at church, they're at church all the time, and maybe that's how I should be. And we start to compare and we compete, and we're not to do that. We're, we're to focus and fix our eyes on Jesus and him alone. That's where we, we look to imitate. And it says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 in the, in the uh, message translation, Jesus tells us to walk with him, to work with him. And it says to watch how he does it, to watch how he does it, to learn the unforced rhythms of grace, to watch him. And so in order to imitate, we have to watch. And so what do we do is we watch him in the word. And again, this is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is not like, you know, if you feel like it, go ahead and imitate God. No, God's saying, imitate me. He's saying, follow my example. This is not the time where we go, where he's saying, adore me, although we're supposed to adore him. He's not, he's not saying, meditate on how great I am and how awesome I am, although we're supposed to do this. But he's just saying, look, you need to follow my example. You got to do what I do. You have to, you got to imitate me. And sometimes we don't always feel like it. And there's an interesting balance that we live in Christianity where it's between feeling and just pure obedience. Sometimes we feel it and so we do want to obey and sometimes we don't feel it and we don't want to obey but either or we obey and his command here is to follow him, to follow his example, to imitate him. And now he flips it. 
And all of a sudden he flips, he goes, okay, now that's what we're to do as God's family, as the church. Now this is what not to do because this is what the world does. And he gets into this whole idea of, of sin. And there's this massive contrast here. And the reason why it gets into sin is because sin breaks intimacy with God. Now, you may have heard it said, uh, if you've been in the church for any length of time, that sin, um, how does it put, uh, sin separates us from God. That sin separates us from God. And that's based off this verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 59, 2, um, chapter 59, verse 2. And, and that is, is, is sort of true in an Old Testament context. But what you have to understand is even throughout all Scripture, God meets us in our sin. That's where God meets us. That when Adam and Eve first sin, what does God do? He goes and he meets them where they're at. Like he goes and says, Adam, where are you? And he speaks to them and he meets with them. As you look throughout the, the Gospels, you see Jesus continually going into places where people are sinning and or are sinners. So the idea that once we sin, we're now separated from God is not true. But it does break intimacy. It breaks intimacy with God. It causes us shame. And so we separate from God, just like Adam and Eve hid from God. Oftentimes, if you're a believer and you find yourself in habitual sin, you separate yourself from the Lord, but God's always there for you, always there chasing you, and it, it, so it brings intimacy with the Lord, it breaks intimacy with each other. Now when we're, when we're sinning, we're, uh, we don't really realize it, we think sometimes we're just hurting ourselves, but we're actually hurting other people. Our actions have great impact on other people, and so sinning is one of the most selfish things that we can do, it's one of the most self-indulgent things that we can do, and it ends up hurting us as well because it begins to numb us. It numbs our spirits, it numbs our hearts, it numbs us, right? So God gets into this thing of like, hey, this isn't how you should live. But then he goes even deeper. Now, this is where everything took a twist for me because I thought it was like, oh, it's the sin of this and it's the sin of that. It's the sin of lang your language. It's the sin of sexuality. It's the sin of... But this whole thing right here in these two paragraphs, verses 3 to about 14, has to do with this. Um, it has to do with sexual sin. Now, we're not going to get into all the, the, the nuances and everything of it, but that was the sin of basically the city of Ephesus. That was the main, one of the main strongholds in Ephesus was sexual sin. Um, it was the sin of the culture. And I think about today, I think it might even be the sin of our culture as well too, sexual sin. Um, one of their major gods that they worshiped there was Artemis. And Artemis was, she was a, a Greek god that was represented, um, uh, 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 represented, sorry, um, fertility, reproduction, the creation almost as family and, you know, worshiped with, with sexuality. And so I think it's interesting as we're talking about family here, the church in Ephesus was all about worshiping the goddess of fertility, of reproduction that would help create family, quite the opposite of what God wanted. And so the immorality, the impurity, the greed, the wanting more, all self-indulgent had to do with indulging in sex and sexual acts. And then it gets into the obscenity when it talks about obscenity, coarse joking, foolish talk. It all again revolved around the way people were speaking about sex and sexuality. And this particular, this particular sin, when it comes, um, sin is sin. Let me just say that sin, sin is sin. But uh, the sexual sins, I don't know if they they cut deeper, they impact us more, and the reason why is because. Um, 
the sexual relationship, again, we're not going to get so deep into this, but the sexual relationship is meant to, when done the way God has designed it, is meant to um, represent our relationship and our intimacy with him, our connection with him. And when you get into the science of it all, sex causes us to be um, addicted, like to the, the endorphins and everything that are released causes us to be addicted to what it is that we are um, connecting with. There's, it, it's strong emotions, it's strong feelings, all of that stuff goes in. And so God doesn't want his people to be in, the, in, that, in that sin because it breaks intimacy even more so with him. It says in, in um, 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 and 19, verses 17 and 19. Um, am I in the right spot? I think I am. But, uh, but whoever, oh wait, I'm going to go actually a little bit further here. Oof. Hold on now. Stay with me. Do you not know that he who unites himself, verse 16, do you not know that he unites himself with a prostitute as one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So there's that connection, that intimacy. Flee from sexual immorality, it says. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so this sin of, of sexual immorality was rampant within, and within Ephesus. And God's saying, he's reminding, and in Corinth, actually all over the Roman Empire, but he's reminding the church in Ephesus here in chapter 5, like, that's, that's not how we live. Don't part, he says, do not partner with it. In verse uh, 7, he says, therefore, do not partner with them. We're not to partake in, in it with, with the culture. We are designed to do it differently, <laughs> to, to kind of put it bluntly, we're designed to do it differently. Um, and so he says, hey, so as children of the light, as children of the light, bring the light, bring the right perspective. Like shine light on this so that people know that there is the, the better way. God invented this, God, God created this, so there is a better way. And so it says, um, Rather, rather than speaking of this coarsely and joking and so on and so forth, rather give thanks, rather bring thanksgiving, giving thanks to God for creating this wonderful, intimate act known as, as sex, as making love. Like, let's, let's get back to that. And he says, now let's find out what pleases God. Let's find out what pleases God within this, within this area. It's not what pleases the world, not what pleases culture, not even what pleases us, but what, what has pleased God within this? Um, it's really, it's, it's the, it's whenever there's a major sin issue in our life, we have to come against it with the opposite. We have to come against it in the opposite spirit. And you see this throughout scripture, James chapter four, verses seven and eight, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. In the next verse, in verse eight, it says, and draw near to God. So resist the devil, draw near to God. In second Timothy chapter two, verse 22, it says, flee the, the, the passions of of youth and pursue righteousness, godliness. Flee from that and pursue the other. Oftentimes what we do when it comes to our sin and our sin issues is we resist or we flee, but we don't ever pursue. 
we don't ever start to chase the things of God and what God would have for us. And so he's saying, look, we gotta go after these things in the opposite way. We have to begin to speak about what God says. We gotta give thanks for these things. So he says, basically saying to illuminate sin. So we imitate God and we illuminate sin. We bring light into it. We bring what God's design is for this, what God's design is for relationship. And whatever, and this, and this is blanket, this goes for any and all sins that you can deal with. Right, okay, now, then, then he kind of flips back, and he flips back in verse 13, to goes a little bit more general again, a little bit more general. And he says, look, we are, again, there's this opposition, there's the opposite of the world. So he says we need to, um, basically, we need to illustrate his word. We need to illustrate his word. Um, it's like taking his word, the way he's, he's writing it here, is that we're going to take his word and, and make it known to the world in the way that we live. It's, it's the illustrated part. Like, growing up, I hated reading. Any other people, hey, I still, I'm still not a reader. You give me a book, I'm gonna do my best to read it. More than likely, I'm gonna get the first 25% of it and then I'm gonna be done with it, unless it has a lot of pictures. As a kid, I loved Dr. Seuss. Why? Because it was so illustrated. There's so many pictures, so many cool colors. Plus, it was all rhymed, it was cool. Um, I also like magazines. I love magazines because of the pictures. Like, that's, that's why I love social media. It's just, it's pictures, right? So, um, so we're, we are to take what God's word is and then we're to illustrate it. We're to live it out. So he says we're, we're to live as wise, not as unwise. Now, wisdom is a big deal to God. As a matter of fact, so there's, there's in the Old Testament, there's what's known as wisdom literature. It's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And they all kind of deal with different aspects of wisdom. But um, uh, Jewish scholars and theologians uh, believe that uh, it's actually wisdom is an attribute of God. And the word would be uh, chokhmah, chokhmah. I, I think that's how you pronounce it, but chokhmah. And it's an attribute of God that he actually used to help create the world. So it's like, to, to quote someone, it's like wisdom is woven into the fabric of everything that's around us. So that when people make good, wise and just decisions, they are doing like God. They're doing like God. So when we are being wise, we are, we are doing like God. And, and then we're making the most of every opportunity, meaning that we, not only as we live our life in wisdom, we have to be uh, on the lookout for opportunities to show God, to live like God, to love like God. Meaning we, every day, every moment, is there an opportunity? What, like what can God do in this moment? Like, what can God do in this day? We wake up, and I know, like, right now, I know this is speaking to you, for, to some of you, for maybe particular situations, is what can God do in this moment? What can God do in this day? And then it says, um, as it goes on, it says, do not get, uh, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The word understand there means to bring together. So he's, he's saying that we need to understand God's will so that we bring it together into this world. Again, we illustrate it. We're not to be foolish and get drunk on wine. And the, the, the phrases there, do not be foolish and do not get drunk on wine, actually are very much related to um, maybe the same phrases that were used when talking about how to worship the God. Um, I think it's pronounced Bacchus. Bacchus, and Bacchus was the god of wine and the god of party within um, Greek and Roman culture. 
And so it was like kind of like the, the counterpart to Artemis a little bit. And so people would get together and they would drink wine and they would party and they would be foolish and they would get crazy in order to please this other God. And so again, Paul's writing to them saying, let's not, let's not be about all these other things that we used to worship. Because again, the church in Ephesus much like us today, is so caught up in their culture. And so many of them are, are new converts, are new believers, and so they're still struggling with the way that they view and the way that they participate in sex and their sexuality, as well as in the way that they view the gods of the culture and the gods of party and how they interact and stuff with them. And so he's saying, look, let's be wise in the way that we live and the way that we act, and let's make sure that we're showing God in, in all of these things. Let's be opportunistic. Let's look for opportunities to show God and let's bring God's will here on earth and stop bringing the will of other gods to the earth. And so he says, and in order to do this, we got to be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk on wine, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit and to speak to each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In order, our language needs to be overflowing from God's presence that we aren't to be those that try to look to be filled by anything else. We don't look for the, to the gods of sex or the gods of party or any of that in order to fulfill us and to fulfill our needs. We look directly to his spirit, his presence, and that's what we, that's what we, we live like. It's like um, life is a musical. I hate musicals. I do. I'm not a big fan of musicals. Uh, I'll watch them because my wife loves them, but I... Man, just talk. Just talk. If you've got to break into song every once in a while, I don't know, some of you guys out there probably remember a, a movie by the name of High School Musical, and I can't believe they made sequels to it. Dear Lord, I'm so thankful that George Coltrane never make a, a movie like that, ever. <laughs> and if you do, George, I'm not coming to that premiere, bro. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, but, like, there's actually a funny skit on Saturday Night Live because Zac Efron goes on there and, and he's like, goes back to speak to the next graduating class of the high school musical and he's like, no, it's not like that in the real world. Like, people just don't break into song. Like, my first day of college was horrible. <laughs> they teach us nothing at this high school. It's, it's super, it's super funny. So he's not necessarily saying like, life has to be this musical, but he is, he is saying that you do, you do sing when you're a little bit happy, don't you? You do sing when you know when you kind of like, man. You burst out in song sometimes. You're driving in your car. It's just you. You're you're in the shower. Like we burst in the song because of the joy that we feel a lot of times, and that's what it's saying here. Is like you're gonna be so filled with the presence of God and so full of joy that let that just flow out of you and speak to each other this way. Encourage one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs out of the overflow of your heart, out of the overflow of our hearts. So we're. We're to imitate God, we're to illuminate sin, and we're to illustrate his word. That's it's God's way here for us as family. And he uses this portion of scripture as he begins to transition now from, hey, this is what it means to be kind of God's family, the church, and now this is what it means to be family, like husband and wife. And it's all interconnected. But from the church to the family, we have to get our mind right as we act like God. We have to get our, our actions right so that we're not stuck in the, the, the culture of, of sin and the sin of the culture. And then we need to illustrate his word. We have to live this out in all areas. And next week, we're going to get into 
the whole idea of what that means between a husband and wife. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this word. God, we thank you that you have a way of doing things. And Lord, we just pray that we fall in line. God, if there's uh, areas of, our, of sin for us, Lord, I pray that you would just bring light to it. Lord, that we would bring it into the light and that we would begin to view things in the proper way, that we'd flee it and pursue you. God, we pray too that we would be those that illustrate your word, that our lives would be moving pictures of your commands to us, of your promises to us. And Lord, we do, we pray that we be, each of us would be so filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we ask now, Holy Spirit, invade every space and place where we're watching from. Touch our lives. Change us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, church. Thanks so much for joining us today. Remember, next week, next week we're getting into a little bit more of the nitty-gritty. Or as the nitty-gritty, as Nacho Libre would say. It's going to be fun. I'm dumb. i got to stop. We're out. Okay, love you guys. See you next week. <laughs>